and welcome to Honestly Cat, the podcast full of life lessons that empowers, educates and enlightens women everywhere. It's my mission to show you just how gorgeous you are and give you the tools to upgrade and transform all areas of your life. So let's get started. Welcome to my eight-week pop-up podcast to celebrate the launch of my debut book, Born to Shine, The Modern Woman's Guide to a Happier Life. Over the coming weeks, I'll be exploring and discussing many of the subjects that I cover in my sparkly and transformational book. This series, I'm talking to various women who are shining examples of ladies who are living their purpose and fulfilling their passion. Don't forget, you can purchase my book on Amazon and at all major bookstores, or simply just head to my website, catraincock.com. In my book, Born to Shine, I talk about handing over our trust to something greater than us. Whether you refer to this as Source, Buddha, the Universe, which is the term I like to use, or the most well-known term, God. For me personally, I have never subscribed to the notion of a man with a white beard at the gates of heaven, but what I do subscribe to is a notion that something greater than us is at play. And it's up to you how you see that, or what you call it. I call it universal energy. And this energy wants and is guiding us to be our greatest selves. It is full of love, as are we, and it is here to show us the way. Some find this energy following a life-changing and catalytic moment. Mine was my midlife meltdown. Others, it's a near-death experience. Or for some, it's a period of intense darkness, that is, depression. And in that moment of darkness, the light is forced to break through the cracks so it can guide us towards our personal illumination. Karen Mills Alston is a spiritual practitioner at the Agape International Spiritual Centre in LA. When I first met her last year, she quite simply brought the Californian sunshine with her. It radiated and beamed out of her beautiful face. In this week's podcast, together we explore the notion of that greater something or other, and she shares her magical tips on living and achieving a fulfilled life. I wasn't living a fulfilled life until I embraced my darkness and chose to see the light within me and also others. This is how I achieve fulfillment, and once I did, I knew I had to share my tools with other women so that they could do the same. So many of us aren't living a fulfilled life, and it's time that changed. This week on Honestly Cat, I'm talking to the beautiful and gentle Karen Mills Alston. She is one of today's leading spiritual practitioners and speakers, and has developed effective and powerful techniques over her years of working with private clients to create a life worth living. Last year, she released her debut book, which I keep actually by my bedside table. It's called 10 Principles for a Life Worth Living. Karen's spiritual work goes beyond the surface level of well-known phenomenon, such as the law of attraction. And instead, Karen's work dives deep into the heart and soul of an individual and helps them with their own spiritual emergence. Her book is an easy to read and very, very enjoyable book that shows you key tools to living a fulfilled life. Welcome to the show, Karen. Thank you for taking the time to speak to me and my audience. Tell me, how did you first start on your spiritual journey? Well, you know, it began when I was a child because 
my mother and my grandmother were both spiritual practitioners. So I was brought up in a home and an environment where we um, filled with love and joy and peace. Now, there was some other stuff going on, too. But the majority of the time, it was a very um, lovely and kind environment where I was really taught about do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I was taught to be kind and loving and gentle with people. I was taught to um, not compare myself with other people. I was taught to be grateful and uh, and generous. So um, early on, I was so fortunate to grow up in a house like that. And then um, about 16 years ago, I landed at the Agape International Spiritual Center, directed and founded by Michael Bernard Beckwith, where I really started honing my skills. So I started to meditate and to pray and to affirm and to really practice these skills that I had learned um, as a child to practice them in my everyday life. And that's the key, daily practice um, of, of these spiritual principles. What I love about your book is, although your spiritual um, life began very early and you were taught all of these wonderful things at such an early age, the book is still based on a very real life that, that you experienced with your husband and, and you give really genuine examples of why certain principles of yours are important. And I, I love that. Can you tell me a bit more about, about sort of where you then honed these principles? Well, I think that I really honed them as my husband was diagnosed with a brain tumor and then subsequently died. Right. I had to dig really deep and to, uh, if I was going to love without love unconditionally, that was the time I really learned to love unconditionally. Um, because, you know, when there's an illness in a, in a family, uh, there are family members who react to that illness very, very differently. So I had to be a loving presence as, as deeply as I could love. And it didn't always look like love, but I was able to begin to really flex that muscle and build that muscle so that today I know what... Um, what being a loving presence is. I also learned, um, because I was praying for my husband, I, was, I wanted him to live. I did everything that I could do, humanly possible, medically possible, possibly with the um, Eastern and Western medicine. I gave him, um, he was exposed to everything, and, uh, and, he, and he passed away. So yes. I learned how not to be attached to the outcome of a prayer, that there is this d divine intelligence that is that has already planned a way for our paths to unfold individually. So I had to really come to understand that everything that my husband and I and my daughter were going through was purposeful. Yeah, and that that really does require quite strength 
belief, trust. And do you feel like when you look back on that, that in some ways your husband passing was your rebirth or how do you look at it? Yes, that's absolutely right. The work that I'm doing right now, I could not have, I would not be doing if my husband were still alive. My husband was a speaker, he was a writer, he was an author, and I supported him in our business doing that. He was a talent. I didn't even think about doing what I'm doing right now. After he passed, I had to begin again. I had to begin again. That's why I know that what I'm doing now is my life's work. So the book is dedicated to my husband because he was one of my greatest teachers, including the last two and a half years of his life where I no longer could um, have any glimpses of being unworthy, have any glimpses of being unkind or lacking any confidence. I had to I had to stand in my spiritual authority and um, and support him and support my daughter and and support I mean to be a beacon of strength and unconditional love. Do you know when you were talking about how you felt you saw your husband as the talent and and now now it's almost passed on to you and 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 mm-hmm. you are the talent and this is your life's work i got such intense goosebumps yes yes I, I, and yes. and you are so the talent and it's just i mean it's almost beautiful to hear that story even though there's the sadness of of him mm-hmm. passing but it's it's actually a really amazing story and and it's having the tools which which also you talk about in the book to rely on and to trust and go do you know what there really is something um really profound at play and trusting yes. that despite yes. it not feeling really good that it, you just have to believe because always on the other side of it for me definitely if I'm ever triggered and I do the work and I come out the other side it was always worth it because I always come yes. out even better yes. but I've got to have done the work and it only passes when I've done the work on myself yes and remember there is a small percentage of people in the in the world who get to do this work I've been told that it's less than one percent. So wow. yes. So what that means is, and then for people that are really doing the work every day, because there are some who say, "Oh, we can we can do this work," and if we get triggered and we go off on somebody, it's okay. You know what I say? It's not okay because that we may have a a day that doesn't feel good, but when we're doing our work we get to turn within. We don't spew our anger on anybody. That is really um, allowing, because remember, as in, I believe that we are individualized expressions of this presence of God. And so the practice, when we're solid in our practice, what that means is that even if we're triggered by something, we excuse ourselves. We step aside. We go and meditate. We pray. We do whatever it is. We cry. We scream. We yell and shout by on our own 
um, so that we can, because that's part of doing the work. Remember, this work is not for wimps. So right. as we're moving through this work, there is going to be stuff that moves through us. And I believe that there's a place within us that has never been hurt, harmed, or endangered. And that peace that I call God gets to expand in and through and as our body temple. And as that expands, we have to let go of things that no longer serve us. So we get to let go of being triggered and expressing it in our humanness. When we are triggered, there's an opportunity to listen to the still small voice. There's a process that I use called witness consciousness. And so we get triggered. We're talking to somebody and we all of a sudden we feel ourselves getting really angry or sad or whatever the emotion is. And so the witness consciousness allows us to stop in the midst of all of that and pay attention to our body temple. What's happening? What's going on? Oh, yeah, I know why I'm getting so upset. I have something within me that is unhealed. I get to take care of that. So taking care of that means that we sit with a practitioner, we sit with a therapist, we sit on our own and um, go into a room, close the door, and maybe we talk out loud to ourselves, but we get it out. Whatever that is, that unhealed thing, that unforgiveness, we get to get it out. So there, there are these different practices that we get to use in order to, to, in order to wake up in order to be a um, capture the essence of who we truly are and who we truly are is unconditional love. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And I just wanted to go through your principles. So you've got 10 principles and they're to be practiced every day. And your first one being begin each day with a spirit of gratitude. And for me, the way one starts their day is it's almost like you're manifesting an expectation for how your day is going to unfold. And if yes. you're waking up feeling grumpy and, oh, I've got this awful meeting. And if you, if the inner dialogue's like that, the way that the law of attraction works is you create your own reality and your day will unfold exactly as you set your intention to. So if you start your day with gratitude, and I always remember Tony Robbins, a quote saying, Gratitude is the perfect antidote to fear. Gratitude is the perfect antidote to anger. And you cannot be in a place of gratitude and feel fear or anger. So if right. we're starting our day with that, that's really going to set us up. Yes. And the idea is to begin there. So I say, first thing, even before you open your eyes in the morning, start to be grateful that your heart is beating, that you can that you have a bed that you're sleeping in on that you have covers that you that your that your lungs are working that your mind is clear so to be able to as opposed to um waking up in the morning and thinking oh i've got to do this i've got to do that i got to do this i got to do that the the practice really is is to stay in that gratitude for a couple of minutes and then expand that. Can you imagine beginning your day in gratitude and then spending the whole day eventually just being grateful? Mm -hmm. So that's the, all of these principles 
are practice uh, have practices in them that allow the practice to happen 24/7 that's the goal because if we're starting our day with that on a physiological level our cells feel that vibration of of gratitude so if we're yes. starting that and maintaining that and and the more that we practice it the more our cells are going to feel this natural gratitude yes, is, is yes. you know on a physiological level i say in the book that gratitude begets more gratitude so we feel it in our body temple we're awake aware and alive and then we feel it and emanate it as we're walking through our day and because we're in that vibration we experience more things to be grateful for. That's the beauty of, of simply being grateful. Absolutely. Yes. And then your second principle is to listen, not just to others, but to yourself, isn't it? Listening to the feelings, the emotions that are arising, yes. listening yes. to your intuition and listening yes. to the universal messages. Yes, absolutely. And we get to do that through meditation. I... um I write in the book that, you know, there's some people who think that in order to, um, to be more awake, that you have to meditate for hours to have it count. But I say, just be still for three minutes. If you can be still for three minutes in the morning and perhaps a couple of times during the day, it's an opportunity to allow your intuition to reveal itself. And we're all intuitive beings. Uh, there may be some more intuitive than others, but when we meditate, we clear away all the debris so that we can listen from our heart space. And as we're, and, and the listening, I, I say we're listening to the still small voice, but we can say we're listening to our intuition. We're listening to the gut. We're listening to something, but whatever it is, we get to listen. And this practice of meditation allows that to, to unfold. And it is just brilliant. So three minutes. Uh, and the practice is if you're putting your hand on your front door knob to go out and you have not meditated, to step aside, sit down, and to, to be still for simply three minutes. And three minutes go just like that. But you're preparing yeah. yourself for the day. That's what meditation also does. It's, it's a preparation. So we're going out into the world, and we're not going out in the world unprotected. We, are, we have set ourselves up. It's like there's a shield around us that allows us to move into the world and we're guided and directed and protected just because we have awakened in gratitude and we have uh, said yes to being still for, for three minutes. Yeah, I completely agree. And listening to that, that whisper of my body, yes. of my feelings, emotions, the universe, that really um, became so much louder when I got rid of all the low vibe emotions that were, mm -hmm. were clogging me up. And, it, and yes. it, it was literally like someone had cleaned out my ears and I suddenly had, I fe it felt like and still does at times a superpower. I'm like, wow, yes. I, I knew that already or I'm... I, 
it's quite astounding that when you start to listen and the ability to tune into your body and go, what do I actually feel Mm -hmm. here? Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm feeling this sensation here in my body. I feel shame or I feel anger. What is it I'm angry about? And then listening to to the thoughts that come through your head because they're always right. You know, you know. Yes, yes. It's a, it's those first thoughts. Um, there was a, a speaker that I heard, and he said that the first seven seconds of something, of a thought that comes through you, is really the presence of God. And But what we do as human beings, we discount it. We, can, we say, oh, that's not right. But that's that still small voice. That's that, that's that intuitive nature that's the presence that is always guiding and directing us so if we are told by the presence to go left and we say oh i don't i don't need to go left and we go right and then we find out why we were guided and directed to to go left So, so being able to listen is very very powerful listening to and and this also includes what are you listening to uh, not only just a still small voice, but begin to pay attention to the um, the the people, places, and things that are coming into your life. Oh, the the music that you're listening to is the music uplifting. Are you surrounding yourself with people, places, and things that uplift you? Um, because we're doing this work, we automatically lift the people that are around us to be able to practice spiritual discernment and have people around us as much as possible who can, um, who are, are a vibrational match to us is really very, very important. Absolutely. And then we move on to principle three, which is align with the creative power of your word. Yes. Are you receiving the fruits of life based on what you are actually asking for? And I think so many of us are, we're all manifesting, but mm-hmm. we're not always manifesting exactly what we what we want because That's we haven't it. dealt with yes. our like deep subconscious programming. Yes. And actually, are we, are we really getting clear on what our intention is and what we want? Yes. So to be able to... Um, say things to, to be able to express things that we really want. And that's the thing, you know, there, there are folks who will say, well, I don't want this. And, and I don't want this. When I first started working with a practitioner 11 years ago, I was that person. I would say, well, I don't want this to happen. And, uh, and then she says, why don't you start saying what you do want? So to be able to express what I, what I want, what I desire, what my intentions are is very, very powerful. Now, this agreement really was inspired by the four agreements, be impeccable with your word. So to be able to, when we speak um, with, when we speak with words, when we think thoughts, we want to be in alignment with a higher vibration. So we get to that which we, Ernest Holmes, um, a metaphysician um, who began religious science, said, that which I want for my, that which I accept for myself, I want for others. So we say words that not only empower ourselves, but we say words that empower other people. So what this means is that we being impeccable with your word, being in with in alignment with the creative power of your word means that we're no longer gossiping. 
At agape, we talk about spiritual gossiping. So we're not using, we're not in human gossiping. We're spiritually gossiping. Oh, did you hear about Kat? She has this great book at it. It is so wonderful. She's such a beautiful person. I just adore her. It's things like that. It's, it's expressing the essence of who and what we are and who and what other individualized expressions of this presence are as well. So yes, be in alignment with the creative power of your word. Your your word creates. It has the power of creativity. What do you want to create in your life? So one of the things that I know that we get to do is when we're talking about our body temple, for example, what do we say about our body temple? Do we say, I'm tired. I don't feel well. Well, that may be a, those may be facts, but then we get to say, the truth is my body temple is magnificent. It is, it is powerful. It is strong. It is revitalized right here and right now. So that's the creative power of our word. And that takes practice to say things that we that is really the truth of our beingness i mean about ourselves and others yeah and i mean really this kind of thing i believe since i've learned about the power of our word and the power of our thoughts and how the science of the law of attraction how it works and i and i go into that in my book because it, it it's this isn't all like woo woo magic it's actually science and there is a reason why we attract the, the same vibration as we're putting out there so mm-hmm. in order yes, to, yes. You know, to to create what we want we have to you know raise our vibration t- in order to attract it back but i'm educating my children about it mm-hmm. and I, I do find it amazing that it's not something that's taught in school because if we did all know this, things would be yes. quite different if we knew. Yes. Whereas we, we're still, society's still in that blaming their body and, oh, it's this illness. And actually, it, it's so much bigger than that, everything. It's, it, it, you, you know, we are what we create. Yes. Can you imagine wrapping your arms around your body and saying, I love you so much. I'm so grateful that you're that you're serving me so well. I'm so grateful that um, that there's a well-being that is happening, that a perfection is expressing itself, that um, that everything is working together for the individualized expression of this body temple. I love and adore you, as opposed to anything else that is not a vibrational match. Which I what I just verbalized was who we truly is who we truly are we're a vibrational match with this presence and this power absolutely and then principle number four forgiveness and one of the things that I really love what you wrote and I think that when people think about forgiving somebody for doing you know something that they didn't agree with that hurt them they Mm -hmm. feel like by forgiving the other person it's benefiting the other person it's letting them off the hook but actually the way that you 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 say it is is that actually you benefit primarily yes. by forgiving. Yes. And actually yes. We have focus to, on we that. We have to clear the decks. Yes. yes. Say it again. And it's about focusing on that, isn't it? This is about yes. you. You're gonna benefit. So yes. you know, don't focus on that other person. They will obviously benefit too energetically, but we yes. we've kind of got, got it a bit of the wrong way around about what forgiveness is really about. Yes. These practices are about taking personal responsibility. If, if I could change other people 
and other people could change other people, we, this planet would be incredible, but we can't do it. We can only turn within and, and change ourselves. So to be able to forgive, we forgive ourselves first. So we forgive ourselves for not loving ourselves. We forgive ourselves for thinking that um, we are not powerful. We forgive ourselves for uh, feeling unworthy, not confident. Whatever, whatever that is, whatever the human feelings and emotions are, we get to forgive ourselves. And forgiveness is an ongoing process. So there's always opportunities to forgive. What I love about this practice, and and it's a practice that I was taught by a great aunt when I was when I was a kid. My um, I had said something to my great aunt. She told my mother, and my mother said, "You have to go and forgive your aunt." And I said to her because I was a metaphysician then. I was practicing this stuff. And I said, you know what? I know that I don't have to to physically forgive her in person. I don't have to do that. But I will do my inner work so that I can forgive her. And uh, so that's that's where that began for, began for me. So the idea is I get to forgive anyone that I think has hurt, harmed, Uh, or endangered me. And then I also get to say that if I have hurt, harmed, or endangered anybody else, that's where I get to, uh, to say, I'm sorry, please forgive me. So it's this, this forgiveness process is incredible. It is absolutely incredible. And it's something that we get to include in our daily practice. And do you see acceptance as the step before forgiveness? Is it about reconciling that and, go, and and accepting where and what it is, the situation or, you know, whatever's taken place? Well, you know, I begin with an awareness. So there is an awareness that something has happened. And, um, and, and so that becomes my first step. I'm aware that something has happened. The other person may not be aware Um, and, and that's where my affirmation comes in where, and we've all heard this affirmation and I've added something at the end, forgive them. They know not what they do and love them for they are one with you. That comes from a wonderful Ray Davis song that we sing in Agape. Forgive them. They know not what they do. They're not aware of how they're showing up and love them because they are in emanations of the presence and we are unified in our, in our awareness that we are one with the one. So that's where I begin right there, an awareness on my part that there's a need to forgive. And that awareness for me comes up as pain in my body temple. It may come up as anger or fear and as I say, it will come up as unforgiveness. As human beings, our first nature sometimes is to say, oh, I'm, I'm not going to forgive them. I'm going to withhold my love, and they're going to know that I'm angry with them. They're going to know that they've hurt me or harmed me. Well, as individualized expressions of God, our work is to love anyway. 
Our work is to love when it's hard to love. So when we're doing our forgiveness work and we're aware that something has transpired, we get to do that work and then we get to continue to love. And as we practice this particular principle, it becomes easier and easier to forgive and to love. Absolutely. And it's all, like you say, it's all about practicing it every day. Yes. So principle number five is about being flexible and open to change. And I love the story that you use, and I'm going to let you tell it, but about the husband and wife driving in the wrong direction. (laughs) For me, being flexible was prior to my, you know, journey, whatever you want to call it, was was massive. I was so rigid and stuck in mm-hmm. my way and attached to ideas. And if we were going here to lunch, when a plan was cancelled, I would I truly really not take it very well. Nowadays, right. yes. my, the way that I talk to myself is, oh, you know what, it wasn't meant to be. And always, it always yes. works out for the best. In actual fact, every, almost every single time... I would say every single time that something's mm-hmm. cancelled or something moves, it always it is always just as it should be. And I'm like, oh, thank goodness, actually, that yes, it allowed me yes. to end up doing that. So that that was, and so now I, as soon as it happens, I don't even go, oh, what, oh, what yes. will I do now? I'm just like, well, it, that's just how it was meant to be. This is that's right. This is life. I'm and living. that that is really being. Um, open and available to change, being flexible and open to change. Um, And I call it being in the rhythm and the flow of God, being in the rhythm and the flow of of the presence. Um, And I say that, and it's, you know, at some place it's been written all over the place, but the path has already been prepared. And as human beings, we may not know what that path is, but to be open and available to it is really important. As human beings, human beings do not like to be be flexible. They say, this is the way my day is going to go, and I'm going to stick to it. They make We make lists of things, um, and if we don't check all of those things off, accomplish all those things, we think that our day is for nothing. Being open and available and flexible to change says that um, we're open and available to the still small voice that is always guiding and directing us. That's what we are open to. That's what we are, are flexible to. So this story is there are a husband and a wife who are driving to... Um, to Mexico, which is, which is south of, of Los Angeles. So the, but they get into this argument, the husband and wife do about direction, about which way, uh, the, the wife is saying, um, I, you're going this way. The husband is saying you're going this way. And there, there, there's a conflict of who's right. And, because the husband wants to be right in this, and he is indeed going in the wrong direction, he goes there, he puts his foot on the accelerator and goes there faster. Now, the, the point is, is that because he's not listening, because he's not open and available and f- flexible to change, he is he continues to go the wrong way, even though his lovely wife, even though they're in this argument, is saying, um, 
I want you to listen to me. I want you to be open and available to me. And, and when we're not flex, we're not flexible in all of this, when we're not listening with the ear behind the ear, as we say, with our heart space, then we will, we'll, we can go in the direction that we're not supposed to be going and we will get there faster. <laughs> the wrong, the wrong direction. And it was almost, so we get to, yes. It was almost like the, the car journey was literally a mirror of what they do. Yes, yes. Because he keeps driving yes. in the right direction or he keeps thinking in that same direction. Like it was right. literally uh, the story that mirrored the argument, which is, so, I yes. just love that story. Yeah. So he's stuck. He's stuck. And she's saying, you know, I, re- I really do love and adore you. Um, let me, just listen to me. Let me, but he's saying, no, I'm I'm the the guy. I'm not going to, and and I really don't mean to be derogatory about this because I know that there are some um, men and women who don't ask for directions, and there are men and women who do ask ask for directions. The idea is for all of us to be open and available to change. It changes our life. It, it really does. That, that was always a big it, argument in on my family yes. holidays. My dad would never uh-huh. ask directions ever. And we'd yes. always end up yes. even more lost than before. <laughs> right, right, um, absolutely. Yes. So yes. principle six, speak kindly, respectfully, honestly. And really this is about, and openly, this is about speaking your truth. And for me, I didn't mm-hmm. know until I was educated on this, I, and, and still when I sometimes say it to friends who haven't necessarily um, had coaching or whatever it is, mm-hmm. and I say, well, just speak your truth, but make sure you do it from a loving and compassionate place. And mm-hmm. they're like, oh, no, I, I just I couldn't. I, I remember it with a friend, and she was having trouble with the, the granny who was looking after kids, but when she'd get in from work, they still be wouldn't bath or have done their homework. She was like, I really find it quite difficult because then it's so late and the kids are quite excited at that time. And da da da. And I said, Well, just speak to her from a loving and, and compassionate place and explain like your point of view. And as long as you do it with the nice energy, then the rest is, yes. is really hers. And so just stay in your lane. And she's like, oh, no, I just couldn't. So I I have learned how to do this. And it has been mm-hmm. an amazing thing to be able to, yes. to speak from that energy and to speak openly. Yes. It, and, you know, when when these other practices are in place, when you begin each day in gratitude, when you listen, when you know the power of your word, and and so on and so forth, there becomes a willingness to be able to uh, only want to speak kindly to people because we want people to speak kindly to us. You know, we're in an age right now where women in particular are finding their voice. We're finding our voice and the voice has to be a voice that can be heard. So there are people that will not be able to hear us if we are not speaking kindly, respectfully, honestly, and openly. They can't hear it. If we're yelling and screaming and shouting because we have not put these other principles, for example, in place, they cannot hear us and they will never be able to hear us. So to be able to, to speak 
in a loving way to everybody is such a powerful, such a powerful practice. And, and, I, and I also learned this from, um, from an aunt who um, I, she had done something again that had upset me. I mean, you know, I'm a teenager, aunt, so I'm upset. This, this, the same aunt. Oh. And she, so I'm, I'm having, and this lady is, you know, at this point, she's an, she's an elderly lady. And I gave her the peace of my mind. And we were, we were in the breakfast room. And when I started talking, she said nothing. She looked out the window. And now I know that she was keeping peace within her body temple. That was the practice. I was letting her have it. And when I finished, <laughs> she turned back to me and she said, I love you. And that was it. My humanness said, well, that didn't work because it didn't. She taught me a very powerful lesson in, in just there. Um, she was not allowing me to disturb her peace. She knew who she was. She wanted to really allow me to come to the understanding that in order to have a dialogue with her, I had to speak to her kindly, respectfully, honestly, and openly from a, with a willing and open heart. Oh. Yeah. Moving yeah. On it's a beautiful now. practice. It, it, it is. It really is. And it, it's been a life changer for me, I have to say. So mm -hmm. moving yes. on now to, to principle seven, live in the yes zone. Talk to me more about yes. this. Is this about being open to life and inviting in life itself? It is. It is. We, I had a habit of being afraid to say yes. Saying yes allows for our expansion. It allows for us to take the next step in our evolution. As human beings, we don't want to say yes because we're afraid. We don't want to say yes because we think that we're not prepared. When we say yes, it opens up our path and it says to spirit, I am open and available uh, to whatever it is that life has for me. Um, Reverend Michael says, life gives has given us everything. So we get to say yes to it. And particularly we get to say yes to it when we are listening so um, there may be something that comes up. Perhaps, perhaps we hear within our heart to, to call someone or to text or email someone. And um, our humanist says, oh, I don't want to communicate with that person. Spirit is saying, communicate with that person. And Maybe the when we say yes, we can realize why we need to communicate with that person. Perhaps that person is um, has something for us. Perhaps that person needs something from us. Perhaps that person is a a pathway to what we need to do next in our lives. We never know. So being open and available to saying yes is so important as we trust spirit. 
Because with yes, we have to remember that we're trusting spirit um, with, with all of it. So yes is very powerful. Now, we also have to remember that we get to, to practice spiritual discernment. There are times when, when we may not be prepared to say yes. So maybe it's a no. And then as we build more courage, as we uh, become more open and available in our prayer work, in our meditation, in our lesson, in our listening, that no leads to a, le- a yes. Because perhaps the no is an obstacle for a greater yes yet to be. So the no can be a holding pattern until we are prepared to say yes. So um, it, it, it works in a lot of different ways. The yes means an, an availability to yield to our greatest yet to be. Mm. So that's what happens when we get to say yes. And it's listening to that voice again, isn't it? Right, absolutely. And either saying yes to it or going, I'm not quite ready, but I'm, a, I'm going to say yes very soon. Yes, 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 absolutely. Because, you know, um, we have to get ready to say yes sometimes. We've said no so many times to become aware of the need to say yes. Um, Maybe that's the preparation. And then to say, okay, I'll say yes right now. I'm I'm scared, but I'll say yes. Yeah, I I do that a lot lot now where I'm just like, I'm mm -hmm. going to follow this crumb trail. Yes, I believe yes. that there's something here, and I'm going to say yes, and I'm just going to hold tight and see what what comes in. And it's that mm-hmm. trust. Mm-hmm. It's just the yes. trust of knowing that actually you're being shown this for a reason, and right, um, and it, it's embracing embracing your fears because actually it's a story we we create in our heads. Yes, yes, it is. It so is. moving on to principle eight to appreciate and i love the the sentence that you wrote authentic appreciation is a pure expression of the heart and i just love this so much and and you talk about this being something you must vocalize it's not just internally yes. going i'm grateful and i appreciate it's actually about vocalizing it because i think sometimes and I, I know that i have this in a marriage that my husband would go oh you didn't you didn't mention that or you didn't tell me that. And I hear, Oh, I'm so sorry. I completely was thinking how wonderful you were or how great that was. I just, yes. yes. And it's getting into that openly (laughs) saying those things, not just thinking it. Yeah. It's a, it's a really powerful practice when we appreciate ourselves and we appreciate other people and we say it out loud. I had a student in class who uh, whenever he sees me, he says, he, he puts, he pats himself on the back and he calls out his name and he says, well done, because he's appreciating himself. Somebody has to do yeah. it. So we get to do it for ourselves. And then to be able to say it to people um, as we are going about our day, oh, that's well done. Um what, how, you're so creative. Um, you are so generous. I love you. I adore you. Whatever the words are, we, to be able to say that out loud is an energy that we get to vocalize that not only do we hear, but other people hear it. And we have no idea the impact 
of those words on that person's life. And this is not an appreciation that is false. It is an appreciation that is authentic. We find something wonderful to appreciate someone for. I'm sure um, that you've had a time when perhaps you're at the store or the post office or wherever you are, and you're, you're dealing with someone, a service provider, and that service provider isn't even looking you in the eyes. The head is down, and that person is just doing the job that he or she is meant to do. And to be able to say to that person, um, oh, I love your nails. They're beautiful. Mm -hmm. And then to see that spark, or I love your hair. Uh, it looks great on you. What, it can be as small as that. But to be able to appreciate someone can move them from a mundane situation to a, um, a, a higher frequency because that's what is happening when we're appreciating when we're appreciating folks absolutely and moving on to principle number nine be generous mm -hmm. and of service and this is really about showing up and for me when I embarked on my personal yes. journey <clears throat> it it I found the benefits that I received so profound and my life mm -hmm. changed, but it wasn't enough just to enjoy it for myself. I, I did have this deep sense of, I have to share this with other women. This, this, cannot, yes. this cannot just be for me. Why does every woman not know this? And that's yes. really what you mean by being of service. It's of, of, you know, spreading it and giving out to others. And this is something yes. you were called to do, just like I was. Yes, absolutely. So so as spiritual beings, we are, it's our natural way of being to be generous and to be giving and to share our gifts and talents. We are here on purpose. So our purpose is to discover our gifts and talents and to give them to this planet in a generous way. So what is it that, that we get to do? We're each, we are, Reverend Michael talks about how we, there, we are not mistakes. We are here on purpose. We are, out of all the entities, the spiritual beings that wanted to come here at this particular time, the presence chose us to be here at this particular time. And to deny ourselves the opportunity to find out what our purpose is, is to really um, not live a life worth living. And the purpose can simply be to be loving and kind. The purpose can simply be, to, as you are walking throughout your day, to give a smile, to appreciate somebody, to um, to just simply be this beacon of light, of love, of joy. I and love, we I also love, know that we're more than that. 
And yes. I love the fact how you, you simplify it. Because I think sometimes when we talk about purpose, people think, oh, well, I've got to have this very conscious business or I've got to transform the world or I've got to go and save children or animals or the planet. And actually, no, it, it, it's enough for you to just be loving and warm and, and being that yes. and lightening yes. up people's yes. days by smiling at them. Like that, yes. that's your purpose and that's how you bring a ray of sunshine to the world, then that's great. That's great. And can you imagine that there are people on this earth plane who, because they're on their own, they don't experience a hug. They don't experience a smile. So to be able to be generous with that, we have no idea how something as simple as that can prevent someone from harming themselves. We have no idea. And we will never know what a smile, what a gesture has done. We'll never know. That's why we get to be generous with it because it's easy to do. Yeah, absolutely. And then finally, principle 10, be in joy now. And you talk about how you're La- you're known for your laugh you're, it's your yes, uh, it's exactly the same for me and I'm not going to laugh out loud like I do because uh, it'll probably blow people's ears off but I'm the same and laughing it really is the universal language like even if you can't yes. speak the same language if you're all smiling and laughing energetically yes. communicating with one another it's important and that's um, I, that's what people love about us Kat is that we have this laughter. Uh, and because we are, we laugh out loud, because we are generous in our joy and in our laughter, people enjoy um, being around us. Not everybody, but most people. <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go. So, so the idea of, I mean, I've had, People say to me, I knew you were in the room because I could hear your voice, your laughter. Um, And I've had people say to me, it makes me feel so good to hear you laugh. And that is our expression of the joy we feel within our hearts. So can you imagine the laughter that we get to, and this is authentic laughter. I mean, you and I are not laughing just to draw attention to us. We just happen to have this way of laughing. And I know that it is a gift and it is a gift that we get to, that we get to share and we get to be in the joy about it, with it, because what a wonderful way to be and to remember that we are, uh, that we are these joy-filled Uh, vibrations of this presence and this power. We get to be grateful and thankful and happy that we are here on this earth plane at this particular time doing the work that we're doing. That's something to be joyful about. Absolutely. And as Principle 8 says, appreciate. And Karen, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and key principles. It's just so refreshing to hear your voice. I can hear and feel your sunshine radiating through the computer. (laughs) Thank you. You really are an inspiration and a joy to be around. Thank you for sharing your beautiful energy with my audience and myself. Good luck with your book. I highly recommend it. And I hear you've signed a second and third book with That Sky's House. So 
amazing news and uh, yes, I wish yes. you all the best with that and hope to see you very soon back in the UK. Don't forget, you can purchase my book, Born to Shine, The Modern Woman's Guide to a Happier Life on my website, catraincock.com or at all major bookstores. Now off you go and shine your light. That's it for this week's Honestly Cat podcast. I'm Cat Raincock. Join me for more honest talk from honest women next week.